a servant. History. Be without fear in the face of your enemies. History. Speak the truth. History makers. Safeguard the helpless. That is your own. You can do it. Yeah. I'm gonna Welcome to History Makers. I'm your host, Matt Prater. Today we're talking to Pastor Elwin Ahu from New Hope Oahu in Hawaii. He's the executive pastor of a church with over 11,000 people, 35 full-time staff and 35 part-time staff, and their church movement, New Hope, have planted 83 churches around the Pacific Rim. Pastor Elwin uh, used to work as a lawyer and a very successful judge in uh, the land of Hawaii. Welcome, Pastor Elwin. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be here. Now, Pastor Elwin, uh, tell me a little bit of your background. Uh, whereabouts were you raised, and what's your family makeup? I was born and raised in Honolulu, and uh, I'm of Hawaiian and Chinese ancestry. I've uh, spent a lot of years uh, training here and also going to school in Iowa, in the United States, for about four years, but pretty much doing most of my schooling here. Tell me what it was like starting out uh, as a lawyer in uh, Hawaii. Well, lawyering has moved from a time of handshakes and gentlemen agreements to more formalized as, uh, I guess, the Western part of the United States has more of an influence here. Now, I've heard you share the story before of how you're working uh, as a judge and uh, you came to New Hope here and gave your heart to God. Tell us a little bit about how that all happened. Well, you know, Matt, as a judge, you get the mindset that you are in control of everything. And that uh, you didn't become successful uh, uh, by someone else doing it for you. You've gotten there by yourself. And, and, the, and being a judge, you're pretty much the, the highest point of this pinnacle in the legal career where we can tell people what to do and we control people's lives. Uh, although on the public side it looked that way, my private life was really not doing very well. And actually ended up going through two divorces and all of this before I became a Christian. And as I uh, began to understand that um, there are some things that weren't going right, I always pointed the fingers at everyone else. Because again, how can you become a judge if things aren't doing right in your life, if you're making the wrong decisions? I mean, you're, you're hired and paid to make right decisions for others and in and their lives. And, and so I thought it was always because someone else was doing the wrong things. And so my marriages ended up in shambles. And one day someone gave me a, a cassette tape and how they used to record before the iPods and everything else. And I had a, a cassette tape of a message by a pastor named Wayne Cordero. And some friends had asked me to, to encourage me to listen to this tape. And I refused. And as a judge, why should I listen to a pastor telling me what to do with my life? You know, I would tell people what to do with their lives. And one day I was in, in gridlock traffic here in Honolulu. And I had nothing else to listen to. And so I, I popped in this tape. And I listened, and he was funny and entertaining, and he was a very good communicator. And as a judge, I love to listen to great communicators. And so I decided to check out his church. And I walked in, and it was uh, an atmosphere that I didn't want to be in. People trying to hug me and greet me. Everybody's smiling, and you don't see that in courtrooms. And uh, so I, I refused to be touched, but I sat in the service anyway. And as the worship uh, was going on, uh, people were clapping their hands and praising this Jesus, and uh, it was all news to me. And so I, I stayed anyway, and I, I listened to the message. And as Pastor Wayne began to speak, it was really weird. It's almost as if 
the room emptied and it was just he and I and he was speaking directly to me. And so I, I, I shook it off and I left. I left the service. I didn't want to be cornered. But I came back the following week just to check it out and see whether what I experienced previously was really going to be what's going to happen again. And sure enough, after the worship service and the singing was done, and as Pastor Wayne began to speak, it was almost as if no one else was in that room. It was just he and I. And he began to talk about the problems that I had just gone through the previous week. I looked around to see whether I knew anyone there and whether they had told him I was going to be there. And it was just he and I. And and I went back to the following week, the third week. And, and I don't remember the exact message, but this one line I, I do remember. It's been etched in my mind and my heart for the rest of my life. He said, you may not realize this, but God may have orchestrated every moment in your life for you to be here today to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was like being knocked in the head with a two-by-four. And my heart that was so hardened began to soften. And I began to understand that it wasn't people that were wrong in my life. It was me. It wasn't them who needed to change. It was me. And I began to really look in my heart. And I went home and by now going through a second divorce, I'm living home again with my mom and dad and sleeping on this little mattress. And I cried my heart out to God. I had a, uh, a relationship with my son that was strained at the time. And, and as I asked God for forgiveness... God began to just open up in my mind the things that I needed to do. And so I contacted my son. He was 16 years old. Invited him to a men's Christian conference. And it was so cool because we got there late. And uh, the only seats available were behind this jumbo screen. And so the lyrics to the songs were all backwards to us. And my son was singing the song backwards. And he was having this great old time. And I went home and I took him home to his mom's house. And I hugged him and I asked him whether he enjoyed it. And he said, Dad... Let's start over again. He said, all is forgiven. I love you. And so, I'm thinking, this God, He heals my heart. He restores my relationship with my son. Boy, what, what else can this God do? And so I began to really, you know, listen and begin to read the Bible and to do whatever Pastor Wayne was asking me to do. And I would just serve in ministry. And, and what that meant was, we meet at a public high school, and, and their toilets are terrible by the time we get there for the weekend. And, and so we needed people to, the church needed people to, to clean the toilets. And I thought, that's where I want to be. I don't want anybody to know that I'm a judge. I'm just going to clean the toilets. And I do that every weekend. And it's almost as if as I scrubbed the toilets, God was scrubbing out the junk from my heart. And one day, I just began to understand that the Lord was going to use me in ministry. And I thought, how can that be, Lord? I'm already serving you. I'm a judge. I'm talking to defendants in my courtroom, sentencing people to prison or probation. And there are times when the Lord would just impress upon me that I needed to speak to an individual in private in my chambers. And so I'd put him on probation, take a recess. I'd call him into my chambers I would tell the attorneys, you don't have to come because I'm not talking about the case. And I'd actually pray with defendants. And I'd tell them, Get a, find a church, a Bible-teaching church. Because with faith and hope, all things are possible. And I'd receive letters from defendants who would follow the advice. 
and they'd show me their their real estate license, their drug rehab certificate. And, and this one woman wrote me a letter and said, that day in your chambers changed my life. And you said, with faith and hope, all things are possible. And I'm living proof of that. And so I'm thinking, Lord, you're going to use me in ministry? I'm already doing ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm helping people. I'm serving. I'm getting a good pay. You know, I, judges do pretty well here. What more can there be? But the Lord had something greater for me. And so he put his finger on my heart, and I couldn't shake it. And I'm serving today as executive pastor. I'm sure there are people listening now that are thinking, I need the change in my life that Pastor Elwin has had in his life. What would you say to those people that are listening right now? I'd say when, you, when it gets to God, when it comes to situations and issues about God, don't try to intellectualize it. And coming from a lawyer and a judge, that's kind of like on the opposite side of the coin. But I really had to come to the point in my life and in my thinking that it's all about faith. There are a lot of things you won't understand about God. He is an, an impre- incomprehensible God, yet He is a very loving God. And He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, says the Bible. Meaning, as much as you want to understand, He will provide that for you. But don't think so much about it. You need to allow your heart to be open. And God will come in. If you open the door, He will never force His way into your heart. But if you just say, Lord, come into my heart. I'm done trying to live my life on my own. I'm done trying to control things in life. Lord, you lead. I'll follow. He'll be there. That's good. That's very good news. Now, also, you've been through two divorces. Uh, there's a massive um, divorce rate rising around the world and a lot of people dealing with a lot of pain and and need healing um, that have been through divorces. What would your advice be to people uh, that have been through a divorce? I'd say press in close to God. We can get spun in different directions because of circumstances. Don't let the circumstances of life dictate the direction that you should walk. Press in close to God. No matter what's being thrown at you, whether it be child support or alimony or financial problems, always set your compass pointed towards God and press into God. And He will be there. He will be. Now also, um, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about uh, you personally. What are your favorite books? What do you, uh, what do you like reading? What are you reading at the moment? I, I love reading about... Um, Leadership issues, uh, books such as Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That was a great book to read. Um, Leading from the Second Chair, uh, appropriate for my role that I play here. Uh, I also like to read books that talk about life and life's journey. There's one by uh, Erwin McManus out of Mosaic's Church called Uprising. He talks about how do we jump back into life. Uh, John Maxwell has a bunch of good books. And of course, Pastor Wayne, who is our senior pastor here, he's written several uh, great books. His latest is called Culture Shift. And it's all about understanding the culture, not only of your church, any organization. Your family has a certain culture. And so it's not a matter of keeping up with the Joneses. It's God created your family in a certain way. He has certain values that he's built in. What are those? And then live by those values. Now, I heard you speak recently at a conference, and uh, you mentioned you were 51 years of age and recently just learnt to surf. 
and you had a bit of a story about uh, surfing on the North Shore. You want to tell us a bit about that? Oh, that was an experience. I thought I was going to die. You know, it taught me a lot about humility. But uh, you know, I, I, I had just learned to surf, and sometimes you know you can learn uh, either a trade or you know, even in life you can think that things are going pretty well until you're ready for the next challenge and you're confident. And but boy, life has a way of humbling you. And so I learned how to surf here in Hawaii, mainly on the south shore and the southern shores. The waves aren't as strong as the North Shore waves. And to give you an example, big waves on the south is maybe 8 to 10 feet. On the, the North Shore, the waves go up to 30 feet, 35 feet. And uh, so I started on the South Shore, surfed a bit. I thought I was doing pretty well. And this friend who, who taught me how to surf normally surfs the North Shore. And so he said, ah, oh, Pastor Owen, you're doing pretty good. Let's go to the North Shore. And, you know, crazy me. I thought I was not 51. I thought I was 15 again. And so I followed him. We went out to the North Shore. And that day, the water was just choppy. They called it like morning sickness and just washing machine kind of a water condition. But he and a friend said, well, we got our surfboards. We're going to go anyway. And I didn't want to be chicken. And so I followed them. We paddled out. And he told me, Pastor Allen, you stay on the shoulder so you don't get hurt. And you can kind of be out of our way. And and, and I thought that was a challenge for me. So I, I didn't want to be out from everyone else. And so I paddled out to where they're at. But just as I turned, I saw this wave coming, this face of a wave. And then and the North Shore waves, you don't catch them. They catch you. And it caught me totally off guard. Threw me down. Tossed me around. I was under the water. My surfboard was spinning like a fishing lure. And it was attached to my leg by a leash, which caused me to spin like I was in the spin cycle of a washing machine. And I, the pressure was so bad, it felt like my shorts were going to come off. And it was a true story. I finally found my way to the surface to get a gasp of air when a second wave pounded me back under. And I tossed and turned when I finally again made my way to the surface. I looked over at my friends and I said, I'm going to go in. I can't handle this. I paddled in, sat on the seashore with my, my, my board next to me, and I swear, there are people behind me, and they must have been thinking, this guy, he has a surfboard and this wave, what's wrong with him? Well, after about two hours, my friends came in, and they were talking about their surfing experience, laughing, and I had nothing to share at that moment. Went home, I was so disappointed. My wife saw the look on my face. She said, what happened? I said, I went to the North Shore today. She said, so? I said, I almost died out there, but I loved you so much, I had to come home. And she said, well, get over it. I said, what do you mean, get over it? You know, I almost died out there. She said, get over it. And the day went on, and we sat at dinner, and she looked on my face, the look on my face, she, she said, you still bothered by that? I said, yeah. She said, look, get over it. And I couldn't believe how cold she was to me. Here I am, wanting some kind of sympathy from her. We went to bed that night. She She looked at me, and my eyes were still wide open, and she said, don't tell me you're still bothered by that day. I said, yes, I am. She said, look, either you can give this day to God or you can give this day to the devil. Your choice. And that really struck me. Because the Bible does say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it taught me a great lesson about life. You can think life is going so well. 
but you'll get hit with divorce papers. You'll get hit with uh, a, a son or a daughter, you know, checking out from the family. And and you can either rejoice that God is still in control of this day, or you can give this day to the devil. It's up to you, your choice. And I would say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, says the Bible. Bible is, is so full of promises that no matter what hits us, we can always find a way to rejoice in the Lord. And when we do, the Lord sees how content we are with Him being Him, and the Lord being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can put our life in His hands. The Lord says, I can take care of the rest. Well, I can certainly see uh, you know, God shining out of you just in your smile and your passion and uh, the way you like to share with people. Now, do you want to just tell us how you say hello in Hawaii? We say aloha in, in Hawaiian. And that word really has, uh, it's really two words with a meaning that talks about alo, meaning uh, giving life or giving a blessing. And ha is the breath. And so when Hawaiians would greet those coming from the mainland United States or foreigners coming, they saw that they didn't have much color in their skin. And so it's almost as if they didn't have any life. And so Hawaiians would give them life, would give them a blessing. And so they would say aloha. And pretty much nose to nose as they're breathing life into someone. So it's an interesting word and it has a lot of deep meaning to it. And how do you say goodbye? Goodbye would be the same word. Because as a person is leaving, we want them to leave with our blessings. And so again we say aloha. Well, Pastor Elwin from New Hope Oahu, thanks very much for joining us today. You certainly are a history maker and aloha. Aloha. History maker. 